Hi there, Jocelyn Yagusa here and welcome to Impact Chronicles, a platform where we explore the world of social impact, innovation and entrepreneurship in the African context. Today we chat to Eric Kaduru, co-founder of CAD Africa. CAD Africa is an agribusiness that empowers girls through passion fruit farming and has changed the state of subsistence farming in rural Uganda. My wife and myself started a farm on some land that I had inherited. And as we started this process, we quickly started getting familiar with the, you know, the realities of actually working in agriculture. So realizing that a lot of the market is controlled by traders. So like, you know, all the farmers who are growing things that are very perishable goods, such as tomatoes and peppers, things that we were growing on our farm were being held hostage to price manipulation of the traders. So like someone rides his bicycle, you know, two, two and a half hours to get to the market. And when he gets there, the guy tells him, oh, this is the price we're buying at, which is just peanuts. And uh, he has no option but to, you know, take it back or, or to sell it, to sell it to, to these traders. So like for us guys, I would bring my stuff in my car. And if I wasn't happy with the price, you know, I'll be like, whatever, I'll take it back. Well, I'll come back tomorrow. That was the first thing I noticed. So I, my initial thought was, I need to find a crop that is less perishable than you know the general stuff that's being grown, the tomatoes, the peppers, things that have a shelf life of like a few days. And if you don't sell them within that time, you basically lose out on months of work. And the second thing I noticed was that a lot of the people who worked at my farm were specifically women. And they would always come to us and be like, ah, oh, you know, at the end of the month, can you, instead of paying me my full salary, can you pay a certain percentage so that I can use this to actually pay school fees or you pay my, my kids' school fees directly and give me this amount of my money so I can take it back home to buy food and stuff for the house. And it was just like an unfair situation because these guys were working very hard, long days, you know, and extremely you know rough conditions and the fact that we had reached out to all these men in this community and they were all like not interested it really like struck a chord for me and i i just found it important to create a situation where there's some sort of balance in how the system works especially for women in in in, in these rural communities and you know just a bit of background like my my dad died when i was really young and my mom was educated enough and fortunate enough to put me and my three brothers through school that idea of having a female in charge of the household who's they're more likely to try and create a better situation for their kids and develop the household the family units and i had seen a lot of the the, the guys in these communities just misusing and underappreciating the women that they lived with. So that was my thing that pushed me in that direction. So we started off a, a small program, program where we provide seedling to the women that worked with us and they would, at the end of the month, would bring back the, the crop they've grown and we'd pay them. So this is like, you know, subsidizing the actual salaries they were earning from the nine to five job that they had at the farm. And slowly it started to become a thing where a lot more people in the community were interested and we started trying to figure out how to negotiate and utilize existing systems and existing opportunities to help these women in these communities so for instance we found that uh, the church the catholic church is probably the biggest landowner in uganda and they have a lot of land that is being unused and they were falling into situations where they'd have squatters developing little camps on their land stealing from the church and whatnot and we have communities where a lot of the women don't have access to land because generally the men inherit the land or it passed down either through marriage or whatever and the women are just left idle 
So we spoke to some of the, the religious institutions. We're like, listen, you guys have land. These guys don't have land. We have a business that we're trying to develop, uh, growing this particular crop. Why don't we all come together and work in unison so that we can all benefit from this this, this situation? So the women will get the land. They, in turn, they'll be very happy with the church. The church is then helping the community. And then my business doesn't have to go out and acquire large tracts of land to expand what I'm doing. So that's that's how it started. And then slowly, we started with the Catholic Church and then the Anglican Church was like, hey, you guys are doing this with these guys, can we get on board? Then all of a sudden we started working with uh, mosques and then it became community landowners and then it's just like grown from that. It's really nice that the community then started reacting and trying to be more proactive. Very good. Yeah. How exactly does it work? Um, so initially what we do is we recruit women aged, you know, 14 to 25 within different communities or different districts. We'll reach out to either religious institutions, landowners, and ask for, let's say, a three-acre plot of land. Uh, from that three-acre plot, we'll divide it so that, let's say, 30 to 40 women can work on the three-acre plot, and each woman is designated 240 square meters per person. And then we provide them with the seedling, the agro inputs, the training, the agricultural training. We provide them with extension services, and they grow passion fruit, which has a six-month gestation period, so before, from planting to harvest. And alongside that six-month agricultural curriculum we also run the cat africa experience uh focusing on like life skills financial literacy health and hygiene advocacy entrepreneurship so we're training them how to be like just a better unit creating this cooperative farming system where they're learning how to work together and they're learning the basic business principles and financial literacy principles so that they can now start doing what they're doing agriculturally as a business and at the end of it all when they start harvesting Cat Africa then buys all the product back from them. So the past few years, we've been buying fresh fruit and supplying hotels, restaurants, supermarkets, uh, exporting to the UK on some occasions. And currently now we just opened up a factory. So we've moved into the value addition. So all the passion fruit we're buying from all our farmers is being processed into pulp, which we then provide the juice companies. So we're talking to Coca-Cola for Minute Made, one of the big juice companies here is called Britannia Group. They do this juice called Splash. Then a lot of our clients who are hotels and supermarkets have also moved from the fresh fruit into buying pulp from us. So that's how it works. Wow, that's a huge transition. So your business is growing, clearly. And what has been the impact on your business model? Can you please explain to me your business model? So the idea was to do this whole sustainable development thing where the community and the business are reliant on each other. So we were initially growing fruit. We needed to expand our grower base. So we started working with people in the community. And now we have created a situation where the people in the community are growing the fruit that is feeding the factory to then, you know, supply an end market. And it works hand in hand because these guys will always, they always know that the factory is going to need fruit to continue moving forward. And then we know that we're going to need growers. So we work together and that's just how the business model has been shaped. And we create these cooperative growing systems where farmers are working together, aggregating small amounts of fruit to give themselves more bargaining power, to actually change a region's growing demographic. If, if, 
you can call it that. So now a lot of the agriculture that happened here before we started was based on coffee and tea because there were systems where there was an end market for those farmers. But then those are crops that have a long gestation period. So it takes a while. You grow tea, it takes two years before you start seeing your returns. But for this, it grows in six months. It enables the smallholder farmer to continue doing the subsistence farming that they usually do because passion fruit grows vertically upwards. So it leaves the land on the ground for them to grow the beans, the potatoes, the cabbage, you know, the stuff that they consume on a day-to-day basis. So we're not interfering in their subsistence farming as such. We're just introducing a crop that can then be a cash crop for them to add to their income. So. I really love how you're then diversifying the economy. So what have your results yeah. been so far? It's been pretty good. We've seen a lot of change in the household dynamics. People are making an income. There's a whole marginalized community that generally wasn't doing agriculture that's now actively involved. So we focus on young women aged 14, young women aged 25. So there's a group of people who had experience in agriculture because everyone's a subsistence farmer in rural Uganda, but didn't have a way of turning that into actually income generation. And then just going through the curriculum, the life skills, we've seen a lot of change in household health dynamics. So people are visiting health centers more. People have more awareness when it comes to sexual activity, giving birth and pregnancy. Pregnancy and, and the different diseases that are prevalent in these in these communities. Through our advocacy classes, we found situations where like the women are actually gaining a voice in their community. They're starting to form, you know, their own little groups, savings groups. They're saving amongst each other. We're now introducing them to more formalized banking, the more formalized banking sector. So we're seeing a huge change in all aspects of the rural woman's life in our district, which has now gotten us to a point where we're scaling into the refugee camps because Uganda probably holds the biggest refugee population in the world. Also, we're partnering with different organizations to now take our program and work within these refugee camps. They are allocated small tracts of land so they could do subsistence farming while doing this income-generating agriculture as well. And it's been positive. It's, it's, it's always great to see. Obviously, everything comes with its challenges and it's been a learning curve, especially in agriculture. You're reliant on the weather, you're reliant on so many different factors so it's been a learning curve but uh we're on a steady growth trajectory that's very good i love that people are not really living hand to mouth anymore because that's really the biggest struggle when it comes to subsistence farming you did mention your results on a revenue perspective for your business the passion fruit side of it how is that going? It's been good. It's, obviously, we've had our down seasons where things that are well beyond our control happen. A huge example would be early 2018, the government introduced this huge program where they were just handing out seedlings to the farmers. And that created a situation where there was an influx of fruit, which crashed the price of passion fruit. And this hadn't happened since the early 90s. And it just happened at a time where we now have a commitment to thousands of farmers we work with based on prices that we signed contracts for and we lost quite a bit of money so we continue to abide by the prices we had put on paper and that passed and if we had been at the stage we're at now where we are now manufacturing and doing the value add it would have been fantastic because we'd have had this influx of fruit that we could then process store sell export but at that point we were still in the fresh food business and it was a difficult time but generally it's been pretty good alongside making the fruit into pulp we've 
discovered that there are other avenues for using the waste product. So we're trying to create this whole zero waste situation where everything we do is utilized. So from the shelves, we're now creating organic fertilizers, some for animal feed. We're just in the process of moving into pressing the seed into oil. It's an essential oil that a lot of our cosmetic companies actually buy to use for either shampoo fragrances, for perfumes, for different oils and beauty products. So we're starting to see a clearer path to financial stability, but it's a learning process. So what have been your biggest lessons so far? For me, agriculture is the slow painful process but if you persevere you'll be good when it comes to doing things that are agriculturally you know relevant and related you need to have the right people on board when we started there was a lot of google farming where we like <laughs> you look up that but then at some point we're like okay we need an agronomist we actually need someone who has a background in this who can identify disease who can identify problems before they happen and you don't want to be constantly putting out fires you want to be in a situation where you can prevent them at, at the beginning and try and be strategic with your partnership the people you're working with have to see the vision the same way you see it and your highlights it's generally seeing that change in the community seeing these young women become economic drivers like one specific example i always give that to me is just the epitome of how a woman can change a community so we had one site in our earliest earliest sites and there was this one girl called beatrice and uh, BT noticed this trend in the group of girls she worked with. A lot of them had kids, young toddlers between the ages of one and three. And during the agricultural days, they didn't have anything to do with the kids. So she started this under the tree nursery school and she started looking after the kids of the girls within her group. And she'd do like a barter trade. She'd be like, okay, you guys, instead of paying me cash, what we'll do is I'll take some of your harvest at the end of the when we begin harvesting to pay me back. And her little under the tree nursery school grew from just like, let's say, 10 kids. She has now 70 children going to this nursery school that she created. Seven other wow. girls. And she saw the opportunity, saw the benefit it would create for the rest of the girls in the group, and then just had a business idea and made it happen. And now she runs the daycare and alongside her passion fruit farm. That's incredible. Yeah. So what do you envision for the enterprise in your future years? So now we're looking at expanding. Like, as I said, we're looking at expanding into refugee camps creating this situation where we can grow the passion food business, probably moving into setting up different uh, processing facilities across the country and hopefully regionally in the next few, in the next year or so. And uh, we want to get our products out to the international markets, not just supplying the, the local juice suppliers in hotels and supermarkets in Uganda or Kenya or Tanzania. But we're looking at trying to get this product out to the States, to Europe. The story of what we're doing transcends East Africa. Lastly, what advice do you have for any aspiring or existing social entrepreneur? Research. Research, 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 and just 
persevere. So know what you're doing, learn what you're doing, you know, just make sure you understand it fully. Because there are a lot of things that people say there's areas you can jump into because you see this gap, but you need to understand how that gap can be filled and how to make that thing work before you jump in and do it. And, you know, I'm not saying don't jump in and do it. Don't, you know, if you have a dream, go for it. But then once you're there, you now have to stick with it. Because you're going to have days where you're just like, ah, I can't. Why am I doing this? I can go back and do whatever else I was doing before, get a job. But you just need to be, you know, you need to be hungry and persevere. Just fight through the hardest times and I think you'll be good. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and you will join us again. But in the meantime, follow us on social media, subscribe to our newsletter and spread the word. Till next time, bye.